Welcome to the PG Growth Planned Giving Podcast. Thank you for joining me on the PG Growth Plan Giving Podcast. My name is Ed Sluga. Today is the second in our three-part series discussing the notion of worthy and prepared with Peter Barrow. Peter and I wrote Worthy and Prepared some years ago as a guide for charities who are looking to increase and enhance the support that they receive from their donors. We decided to look at the concepts of worthy and prepared in the planned giving context. What does it mean to be worthy for legacy gifts? What does it mean to be prepared for legacy gifts? And ultimately, how do we put these two concepts into action for our charity? This podcast focuses on the notion of being prepared. What does it mean to be prepared? And what are the fundamental principles we need to adhere to to be seen as prepared by our donors? So sit back and listen to the concept of being prepared for legacy gifts. Continuing our conversation about the notion of worthy prepared in the context of planned giving, we talked in the last podcast about the notion of worthy as a concept. What's that mean for charities? Uh, Let's turn our eyes now on to what does it mean to be prepared? It's It's a very large concept, much like being worthy, but what's it mean to be prepared as a charity in terms of acceptance, stewardship, recognition, and utilization of the funds that uh, are donated to us? In that case, you know, we're talking about two types of funds. Again, getting back to the book itself, it was about not only um, current fund, I'm uh, sorry, not only about um, uh, legacy giving, but all giving. And the vast majority of charities think about gifts currently. Well, what are we thinking about when we're thinking about being prepared overall in that concept? You know, what does that concept mean? But also, let's extend it a little bit and think about what's prepared mean in the, co- in the concept of legacy giving? How do we make sure an organization is prepared in that particular way? But again, let's just think about a little bit and talk about a little bit about what prepared means overall. Well, I think I think the um, I, th- I think the two notions go together of you know being being prepared on a day to day basis to receive gifts of any kind, and on a longer term basis being being prepared to be uh, stable, effective, and um, reputable enough to attract long-term giving so that if I'm making a bequest today um, and hopefully I'm going to live you know several more years before that bequest is realized I know that the organization is still going to be there is still going to be around and that my bequest can be fulfilled um, so I think there are three or four kind of key elements of being prepared and, and and one or two of these have very much been in the in the news over the past year year and a half and the first of is that um, Donors today, I think particularly, want to give to organizations who clearly are financially and administratively efficient, by which I mean that the, the, 
ratio of expenses to raising money and donating money is as low as it possibly can be. And, um, uh, you know, Revenue Canada, of course, has standards for that. Um, you know, char the charitable organizations and associations in Canada all have standards for that. But essentially, the lower you can get your pure administrative costs relative to the amount of money you uh, receive and donate, uh, the more the more prepared you're going to be. You're going to be able to be, and you would know better than I. But I, you know, a good benchmark is probably somewhere between, you know, ten and twenty percent of of um, gross revenues should should only should only should there should be no more than that used for actually running the yeah, organization. The, that you're, you're talking about the fundraising yeah. revenues, absolutely. Yeah. And I think so, the, the concept of all of those things I think you're talking about is just the trustworthiness. Yeah, it's got to be trustworthy, yeah, but it's got to be, it does have to be clearly, um, clearly efficient from a fundraising point of view that, you know, the vast amount of money is not going to salaries, it's not going to organization and planning of events, it's going to charities that are going to be benefiting for benefiting from my gift, and I think in order to get to be financially prepared and financially efficient, uh, what we talked about in the book and what I think donors really do look at today is how efficient is your back shop, how efficient is your infrastructure at managing the money that's coming in the door, and and that ranges all the way through from as simple as, you know, how how quickly do I respond to a gift? How quickly do I thank for it? How quickly do I receipt for it? How quickly do I manage and administer it? Uh, you know, how responsive am I? All the way through to, um, you know, how, how strong and effective is um, the way in which I donate that money? Uh, um, you know, what kind, of, uh, what kind of giving opportunities am I searching out for donors to, to uh, participate in relative to my long-term uh, mandate? Um, a whole range of backshop things. You know, have I got a really good, and this sounds really silly, but it, it happens a lot. Do I actually have a really good bookkeeping staff that can keep track of my, my donations properly? Is my financial shop good enough? Yeah, to, absolutely. And in a lot of the ways, again, the two concepts go together, and that's why they're presented in the way that they are. Uh, one of the, uh, and, and there's a certain perception of this, because uh, most donors uh, I would suggest 99 out of 100 donors are not looking at the CRA Charities right. Directorate listing right. and going over the financials. Um, but the perception of this trustworthiness and the preparedness of the organization can be, getting back to what we said in the first podcast about this, um, what are your relationships out there? Is there in a smaller community, for example, and I think I use this example in the book, uh, in a smaller community, you know, are the leading lights, the leading accounting firm, are they represented on your board of directors? Right. Are, you know, is, is, you know, are there those name brand individuals within, again, the smaller communities, are they represented on your board of directors? Um, and immediately there's a perception of trustworthiness, of, of being prepared. This individual wouldn't lend their name to this organization if they didn't believe it. And right. I did uh, use an example about uh, a donor from a large uh, family foundation who uh, when the when a request comes in and this is in a large center but when a request comes in for funding the first thing this uh, this donor does is go down the board of directors to see if they know anybody 
And the interesting part of that is knowing them, the perception of preparedness that comes along with that, saying, oh, I know this person and they're really wonderful and a leader in the field. And so I, I can trust this organization. But on the flip side, and this works with preparedness as well, is there a name there that I don't trust? But we have to put together the notions of this externally so there's a perception of it, um, as well as putting together um, internally the actual things that you're talking about. Absolutely. These wonderful bookkeeping <laughs> processes, these wonderful uh, responses to donations, um, and then ultimately in the plan giving setting, this this way of engaging current realizations and this way of engaging those who have left an expectancy, which is essentially a pledge of a major gift. What are we what's going on there so that we can attract that kind of person onto our board? So and and or as part of our senior volunteers or um, as champions and influencers in the community who speak highly of us. They don't have to necessarily have an official title with the organization, right. which helps to provide this notion of being prepared in the community. And we and we speak quite a bit in the book about perception management, and it really is that the link the link between reality and perception that you're talking about is very very strong. Because if 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 your level of preparedness is not adequate, chances are very good that you will not attract the kind of ambassadors, the kind of board members, the kind of champions that you want. And, and conversely, um, if you don't have the kind of champions that you like, you know, you may not be as uh, uh, worried or concerned about having a really good back shop because, you know, you can't actually, you don't have to worry about backing up good perceptions. So the two really match. You've got to have a very strong level of preparedness. Uh, and in the book, we list 20, 20 elements that uh, constitute preparedness, like, for example, a very transparent audited financial statement, uh, like, for example, a really good live receptionist somewhere in the organization, you know, a good voice logic system, all of those kinds of things. Um, if, you, if you haven't got that backshot preparedness, you won't attract the kind of people that support you, that you really want. And they, in turn, cannot support you unless you have that level of Absolutely. And then, you know, much like with the last podcast about worthy, um, a lot of organizations believe they are worthy, even though perhaps the, the greater community doesn't. So right. internally, they believe they're worthy. Externally, that might not be the case. And being prepared, I think that when it comes to that, there are much, there's a larger or longer list of check marks you can go in terms of being prepared. But the internal conversation often can be, well, we can't do that. Right. For example, um, turning around a tax receipt for a gift in three days or, you know, responding to a lawyer who has sent notification of a will being executed and that the organization is within the will when it comes to a legacy gift. Um, turning that around in three days might not be possible for a smaller organization, but it does not mean that they can, shouldn't have processes that are articulated that, and that are in keeping with their capacity. So, for example, on that, yes, perhaps we can't turn a tax receipt around in three days or in a week because we are a smaller organization and shorter staffed, but we should have policies and procedures that state when we will turn it around. 
So if a donor says, I sent it to you last week, I still haven't gotten it, we can say, well, our policies and procedures that are written state we turn them around in 14 days and I'm happy to send you that. Right. So it doesn't seem arbitrary, but it seems as though we have taken steps to show our uh, constituents, our stakeholders, our donors, our supporters, our volunteers, that we are thoughtfully thinking about our capacity um, so that they know that we this isn't just something that's done by the seat of our pants, so to speak, but we're thoughtful about it in that balance between the resources we have and the expectation of our of our supporter base. Absolutely. And maybe a closing thought on this on this one, Ed, is that you know this better than anybody and, and anybody who's in fundraising knows this that ultimately it all does boil down to word of mouth and reputation. It really does. And the contributing uh, pillars, if you like, of reputation and word of mouth um, are, are exactly that, that, that you are continuously and um, efficiently uh, developing best practices and rolling them out on a day-to-day -day basis. We use the term repetition builds reputation. That you're doing, you know, you're doing your receipting constantly. You're doing your tax returns constantly. You're doing all of those things properly, efficiently, well, uh, consistently, and that's part of word of mouth because that generates confidence, that generates support, that generates um, uh, brand awareness. All of those things, which are then reflected in the way in which your champions and ambassadors go out, and between the two of them. That gives you the word of mouth and reputation that's going to attract the long-term bequests and, and legacy gifts that plan giving is really all about. That was the second of our three-part series with Peter Barrow, talking about worthy and prepared in the plan giving context. The third part of this series is taking the first two concepts, being worthy and being prepared, and actually putting them into practice on a day-to-day -day basis in any organization across Canada. This has been another PG Growth Plan Giving podcast. If you're interested in ordering our book, Worthy and Prepared, please go to charityinfo.ca to get your copy. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next time.